true, Baptist church. Uh, we got all this room in the middle right here, all these empty chairs, and y'all way on the wings out there. This is definitely a Baptist church. Don't y'all know I got to speak harder to get to all y'all way back there? Amen. I'm kidding. All right. Philippians chapter number two. Let's, let's try to finish up. Uh, let's try to finish up chapter number two. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? How many of y'all had a great time through the Easter series? How many of you learned something you didn't know during the Easter series? Amen. You know, I think that's one of the, one of the coolest things about this year is uh, in every single part of the Easter series, we learn something. It wasn't just the same story. It wasn't just something that you already knew and we were going through repetition. We were able to teach a new truth in each one. To me, that was really cool. Amen? So what we have to do now is to do everything we can to pray and ask God to strengthen all the new believers and give us the wisdom and the strength to be able to disciple all the new believers and go after this world because we're running out of time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mr. Campbell, good to see you. All right, good to see you. Now, Philippians chapter number 2. Uh, brief, well, let's just read and then I'll let you sit down. Let you sit down. All right, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to verse 19. Verse 19, Philippians 2. 19 and went oh oh i forgot something uh if you did not get a lesson or you do not have your lesson from last week because we're finishing up last week's matter of fact i'm gonna get you to turn it over because i'm gonna put give you some extra stuff for that blank page on the back but if you did not have a lesson from last week raise your hand we want to make sure you get one. Oh my goodness look at that hands all over the building all right how many of y'all forgot to bring yours from last week you had it but you forgot to bring it back all right, it's 50 cent a copy for y'all. I'm kidding. All right, raise your hand, raise your hand. I'm kidding on the 50 cent, people. I'm kidding. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you do not have a copy. We want to make sure you get it. Now, if you have, if all of your notes are blank, just get with your neighbor, and they can help you fill them in, uh, not from last week, the week before last, all right? Okay, has everybody got a page now? Has everybody got what you need? Everybody got what you need. Okay, here we go, here we go. Philippians chapter number 2. In verse number 19, if you're there, say amen. amen. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger. But he, it says, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. I love this verse. Well, we need to learn something from this. Because for the work of Christ... He was nigh unto death. Read this next sentence with me. Not his life. Say that again. Not his life. 
to supply your lack of service toward me. Now that, my friend, is commitment. Are y'all with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. I'm so grateful to be here tonight. I'm so grateful for all those that come out, Lord, and, and, and to hear uh, from you. Lord, don't let them leave disappointed. I pray, God, that you will help us to just uh, glean from the examples that Paul gives us here in the Scripture. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way tonight. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you are here for the very first time on a Wednesday night, we are going through the book of Philippians. Philippians is a letter sent from Paul to the church of Philippi, a church that he had started previously. He had, he, Paul is in prison. He is sitting incarcerated in prison, uh, really waiting on his trial. And, and, and ultimately, we know now, by studying the Word, we know now he was waiting on his impending death and his execution. He didn't know that at the time of the writing, at, but we know, and by the way, congratulations on the salvation there for the little one, amen. All right. Aren't you glad God's just saving people even during the week, amen? Isn't that great? Uh, and, and now Paul's in prison. He hears about some issues that are going on in Philippi, and it's one of his beloved churches, and, and he loves the people there, so he's writing a letter to encourage them, uh, to strengthen them, and so forth and so on. Now, here in chapter number 2, uh, we have studied so far that Paul has really exhorted them and encouraged them to be humble, to be humble, to show humility, to not always think about themselves, but to think about other people. In other words, he wants them to have a heart of a servant. He wants them to have the mind of a servant. In other words, he wants them to be like Jesus. He wants them to be like Christ. Now, in verses, uh, uh, verses 1 through 4, Verses 1 through 4, if you want to do this, if you want to do this, what I did, I just took this and wrote it at the top of my page, so if you want to do this, in verses 1 through 4, there's a request for humility. Then verses 5 through 11, he shows Christ as the ultimate example for this humility in this service. You remember, he said, let this mind be in you, this, this way of thinking, this form of thinking, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. So what is he doing? He's explaining to you exactly what Jesus did. Now, isn't this cool that Jesus is not going to send you up a ladder he hasn't already climbed? He's not going to ask you to do something that he wasn't already willing to do. So... He was humble, he served, he was thinking of others, and that's all Paul is saying. I want you to be like Jesus. Now, then in the next verses, in verses 12 through 18, in verses 12 through 18, we studied how important it was that our behavior is going to be like Christ because people are watching. Say that with me. People are, people are watching. When you're at work, people are watching. When you're in the market, people are watching. When you're in the drive-thru, people are watching. When you're going down the highway and somebody cuts you off, people are watching. Are y'all with me? I'm standing, I'm standing in the, in the, in the uh, uh, what do you call that at Walmart when you're paying? Uh, uh, check out, check out. I'm sorry I don't go there much, amen. Uh, I'm standing in the checkout, minding my own business, I'm, I'm, I'm not even in uniform or anything, and I hear, uh, preacher! And way across, way across, way down the aisle, somebody's waving at me, hollering, and I... No. You don't never know where people's going to be. Are y'all with me? But people are watching. 
And you know what Paul says here? You're supposed to be shining lights in this crooked and perverse world that we're living in. Now, what is he really addressing in this particular deal? He's addressing the fact that they're not getting along. There, there's, as a matter of fact, he names two people by name later on in the book that we're going to cover here in a little bit. And uh, he is saying, you've got to get along. You've got to behave yourself. You've got to be humble. You've got to serve one another. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to get along because people are watching. People are watching. And that's the same, those are the same verses we learned several weeks ago where God says, mind your own business, work out your own salvation. Quit worrying about everybody around you. Quit worrying about telling everybody what to do. He says, mow your own grass. Say amen. So, all right, the reason we need that humility, the reason we need to be able to be like Christ, he's not just saying it for the sake of saying it. He's saying people are watching. Now, are we so far are we together? First four verses, he said, be humble. Think about others before you think about yourself. Uh, put others first in your life. Serve others. Then he gives, us, he gives us the next few verses. He gives us the example of Christ. He gives us the example of Jesus in great detail. And then he tells us in the next verses, he says, listen, people are watching you. You've got to be like Christ because people are watching you. Your testimony depends on you being like Christ. Do you know you can spend 20 years developing and building a testimony and lose it in 20 seconds? Then, thank the Lord, thank the Lord, the last verses that we're going to finish, try to finish up tonight, he gives us two human examples. It's one thing, it's one thing to be like Jesus. Now, how many of y'all would agree with your pastor, because I'm going to raise both my hands, that it's hard to be like Jesus? When you work with a bunch of devils, amen? It's hard, it's hard to do all that. It's hard to be submissive. It's hard to have a servant's mentality. I told you last time, it's hard to, to be treated like a servant and not get an attitude. Y'all with me? So he, he went a little step further, and he gives example of two people, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, last time we talked, we talked about Timothy and all that Timothy meant to him all that Timothy was, Timothy walked with him, served with him, so forth and so on. We're not going to go take all our time for that. Well, now we're going to try to finish up, and we're going to talk about the other helper that was there to help uh, Paul in prison. His name is Epaphroditus. Now, <clears throat> here's the story of him. Just to give you a little brief uh, uh, understanding of who he is, he was a member of the church at Philippi, Okay. When word got back to Philippi that Paul was in prison, okay, they find out that he, is, he has been arrested, that he is incarcerated, and so here they are. They, they're concerned about him. He is in prison. So the church at Philippi get together, and they take up a love offering for Paul. They want to help him. They want to support him and, and, and give him what he needs and all. So they gather, they gather the love offering, and they give it to Epaphroditus, and they send him to Paul. Now, this is a long journey. I mean, this is not, you don't, just, you don't just jump in a car and run to Rome, all right? This was a tedious, dangerous, long journey. So that says a lot about him by itself. He gets there, and as he's ministering to Paul, instead of turning right around and going back to Philippi, he gets sick. And he gets sick, sick, not just flu sick or cough sick. He's nigh unto death. He almost died. Matter of fact, the insinuation that Paul gives here in this chapter is that if it hadn't been God that intervened, he would have died. So God said, he said God spared him 
And, and, and so here we are. Uh, the reason that he hasn't come back already, the reason he has delayed his return back to you at Philippi, he was sick nine to death. And he said, oh, by the way, he said, boy, it just tore him up when he found out y'all were upset about him being sick. Now, how many of y'all have known Christians like that, 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 that when you go to, 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 to comfort them and they're in the hospital, or they're, they're hurt or broken, and, and you get there and they're more upset that you're upset that they're broken? That's the type of guy he was. That's the type of guy he was. So, as we, as we describe him, as we describe him, we want to be like him. Okay? As we describe him, we want to be like him. Now, this really helps me because there's two different people he describes, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, when you study Timothy, you'll find out Timothy, he was timid. He was timid. He was nervous. He, he, he you know, he had issues. Paul told him. Paul told, how many of y'all know when, you have, when you're nervous and you're timid and, and, you, and you're shy and, 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 and you worry all the time, you have stomach problems? And Paul told him, he said, forget the water, son. Take a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now, what is that saying? He, his character, his, his makeup, he was a very timid guy. But he did great things for God. Now, Epaphroditus, he was different. He was kind of a brave soul. I mean, he was, he was a go-getter. He was, he was uh, outspoken, outgoing, and all this kind of thing. And, and you say, what does this mean? It means this. No matter who you are, God can use you in a great way. There are people in here, there are people in here, and if I, if I name names, I'm telling you, I would say a name, and everybody say, yep, yep, sure enough, yep. There's people in here that could go talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. I've been with certain people and walk in any restaurant, and I don't care, they talk to seven people before they get to their table. No, everybody. Talk to everybody, don't care about talking to anybody. And there's other people in here that if they had to talk to somebody, they would swallow their tongue. Do I have a witness, anybody? You don't have to raise your hand, just nod at me. I'm with you. I get that. But guess what? It don't matter who you are. It don't matter your makeup. It doesn't matter your character. God can use you in a great way. And he gives these, these two examples, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, let's look, at, let's look at the second. Let's look at the second. Let's look in verse number, verse number 25. Verse number 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now, he's going to give him three different descriptions. He uses three different descriptions to describe this friend and this person who is helping him. And what I want to do, what I want to do, I want to, I want to read through these and talk about them, but I want, you to flip your, I want you to flip your page three. I want you to flip your page three, and I want you to turn it over so you'll be taking notes like this, all right? Because I want to go into detail a little more about that, all right? But before you flip it over, let's look at it first, all right? Come on, people. All right, here we go. Isn't Wednesday night fun? I'm telling you, I enjoy it. I love it. All right, here we go. Here we go. He said, I, I, I meant to send you, or I'm, I'm going to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and what? Fellow soldier. Now, if you were here at the very beginning of the study, when we, when we studied Philippians chapter number 1, uh, Paul was all about basically three things. The fellowship of the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel, and the faith of the gospel. Do y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Do you realize all three of these descriptions match perfectly, match perfectly with what he was to Paul? Now watch this. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. Epaphroditus was the messenger. Write that down on, on page number three. He was the messenger. <clears throat> Timothy was the servant. Epaphroditus was the messenger. All right, now, now write this down. There's three different, there's three different characteristics, and we're going to talk about the first one in, in detail in three different ways, okay? First, and this is so important. Man, I've seen so many churches. It's got this all messed up. First, write this down. He was balanced. He was balanced. He was balanced. It's so important to be balanced. And when, I, when, when, I, when we go through this, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Paul could not say enough about this man. He said, he's my brother. He's my companion in labor. He's my fellow soldier. These three descriptions we know we just said parallel completely with Philippians chapter number 1. My brother, right beside it, the fellowship of the gospel. My companion in labor, the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, he's helping me get the gospel out. My fellow soldier, you remember, he said defend the faith of the gospel. Defend, teach sound doctrine, defend errors. So all three of these, he is. Now, flip your page over, flip your page over, and let's talk about them a little bit in detail, okay? Let's talk about that in, in detail. Write this, number one, or Roman number one, however you want to do it, I don't care. Number one, what we see, what we see in Epaphroditus, we need to see in every church. And we need to practice this in every church and get good at it in every church. First, number one, is fellowship. Fellowship. He says, he's my brother. Now, when you hear the word brother, what word comes to mind? What do you think? What word comes to mind? He's a member of the family. All right? Our, our relationship with one another should be as a family. As a family. When I was growing up as a kid, I mean, y'all know I've been in church my whole life. It's all I've ever known and so forth and so on. And, and ever since I was a little old bitty thing, little old bitty baby, I've been calling people Brother Joe and Sister Mary and Sister Susan and, 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 and Brother Cletus. Are y'all with me? And I, I didn't, you know, I just thought that that's their first name. You know, I, didn't, I never understood what that meant till I got a little older. And I understood that the point of doing that is we're recognizing the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are of the family of God. We're not trying to be super spiritual. We're not trying to, you know, but we're just, we're showing we're family. And Paul is saying, this is my brother. He may be a Gentile. Paul was full-blooded Jew. But he's saying, he's my brother. Listen, people could, may not even be the same color, but they're my brother. They may not even be of the same culture, but if they're saved, they're my brother. Are y'all with me? And so fellowship is so important in the church. God gave us three things. Write A, B, and C under this. God gave us three things to further fellowship. First, he gave us Christ. He gave us Christ. And you say, what in the world? How, how does that further fellowship? Well, look at a verse. Look at a verse. I want to give you a verse. In Galatians chapter number 3, just write this down there. Galatians chapter number 3, verse 28. Now, when somebody gets saved, when somebody gets saved, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, right? If any man be in Christ, he is a what? He's a new creature, a new creation. He's a new creature. Now, what is that creature? What is that new creature? Watch this. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. 
neither bond nor free, neither is there male nor female, for ye are all in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. In the Old Testament, we know God primarily worked through the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was God's conduit to the rest of the world. They were his representatives to the rest of the world. They were his ambassadors to the rest of the world. Everything God did, he did through Israel. Everything how God communicated, he communicated through Israel. We got our scriptures through the Jews. We got our Savior through the Jews. We got our salvation through the Jews. Are y'all with me? Everything came from Israel. But when Jesus died on the cross, everything changed. When you study the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a historical book. It is a book of transition. And all through from the beginning of Acts to the end of Acts, you'll see there is a transition period going on, moving from the old covenant to the new covenant. In Acts chapter number 2, the Jews are filled with the Holy Spirit. They get saved. In Acts chapter number 8, the Samaritans get saved. They were half Jew and half Gentile. In Acts chapter number 10, the Gentiles get saved. Do you see the transition moving from Jew to Samaritans, which are half Jew and half Gentile, to full-blooded Gentiles there in Acts chapter number 10 with Cornelius? And what is God doing with that? He is saying, I'm no longer only going through the Jews. I am a global God. I am a, a God of all of the world. Listen. When they were able to speak all of the different languages there in Acts chapter number 2, God is saying it's not just about the Jews anymore. The gospel is to go out to every creature. And the gospel, the gospel is universal. And so when we have Christ, we are one. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. He says it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't Are y'all with me? He says we're one. So what happened? When we got saved and we are now in Christ, we can fellowship because we are are in common now. What is fellowship? it's, It's coming around something. It's coming. People go to the coon club. Why? Everybody likes coon hunting and lying. Say amen. But there's something they're centered around. People, people go and, and they have fishing clubs. What? They all like fishing. Okay, there's something that's central. There's something that draws them together. When we are saved, we are drawn and centered around Jesus Christ. So I don't like that person over there. I don't like this person over there. I'm not, I don't have nothing in common. If you're saved, you got something in common. What is that? Jesus He's a common denominator. Amen? So he gave us Christ. But then, then, God gave us the church. God gave us the church for fellowship. Look in, look in your Bibles. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter number 1, John is, is writing about seeing Jesus. <clears throat> Some of this is going to be a lot of review for you. We, I think we touched on some of this in, in chapter number 1, but it goes so good right here. 1 John chapter, this is, by the way, this is, not, this is not the gospel of John. This is 1 John. This is at the end of the Bible. First, second thing, yeah, little John. That's, that's great. I'm going to use that. Go to little John. No. All right. Uh, 1 John chapter 1. Now look in verse number 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1. He is communicating the fact 
He's communicating the fact of his experience with Jesus. He said, let me tell you about it. Because the people he is talking to has never seen Jesus. All they've ever done is heard about him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, we have seen, y'all with me? We've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, we've not only heard him, but we have seen him, and our hands have handled of the word of life. The word, word, there's capital. He's talking about Jesus right there. In other words, we have... All right, we have, we have, we have, he's the real deal. What John is saying here, this is not the figment of somebody's imagination. We've seen him, he's real. And let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. I want to tell you about this Jesus. I want to tell you about the Messiah. Watch. Verse 2. For the life was manifested and we've seen it. We've seen it. We bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was uh, with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now he's going to tell you why. He said, let me tell you why I want to tell you about Jesus. Verse number 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. That. In other words, i got a purpose behind this. i got a reason why I'm going to tell you about Jesus. That ye also may have, that ye may have, fellowship with who us and truly our is with the and with his son jesus christ all right there's two areas of fellowship that are being discussed here now watch what he says look at verse four now before we read verse four what is the whole theme of philippians now if we go back six weeks and see how many y'all remember what what's the whole point of what we're studying in philippians everybody say it say it again thought we forgot didn't you all right Now watch, read verse 4. And these things, what things? Things about Jesus. Things about fellowship. We're telling you this stuff so you can fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father, all right? These things we write unto you that what? Imagine that. You know what he's insinuating by that? If you want to truly have joy, you need to learn to fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only do you need to learn to fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to learn to fellowship with the one they're worshiping. You say, why would that bring bring joy? Because the Bible says, in thy presence is fullness. Say that with me, is fullness. You know what fullness means? How many of y'all have ever had fullness at the table? Y'all, come on now. I can tell. I can tell y'all been full before. Help me. How many of y'all been full at the table? Now, what does that mean? You can't take no more. I've had it there. I've had it there. How many, how many have, have your eyes was bigger than your belly? And it was sitting right in front of you, and you wanted it so bad. Or you ate so much in the meal... And then they pass that dessert thing in front of you, and you see that brownie with ice cream and chocolate syrup all over it. Say amen. And you have to turn it down because you are 
That's the kind of joy God said you could have. Now, I don't know about you, but from my experience, there's a lot of Christians I know that don't know nothing about that. What's the point? What is the, what is, what is the avenue? What is the avenue of fellowship here at Temple? Well, there's, there's a couple different avenues. People come to the choir, and they fellowship in the choir. They practice and practice. And then they come, If you ever come watch them, listen, when they're, when they're in between songs and Jalen's hollering at them and stuff, and, 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 and they're, they're cutting up and they're having a big time, it's almost like a party up here. They're experiencing. There is a, there is a, a, a sense of fellowship that you get when you get to hang out in the foyers and talking and you, you get to the camaraderie and you get to hang out with folks. But that's, that's, that's very limited because of time. Most of the fellowship that you, I mean real fellowship, close fellowship, dare I say the word intimate fellowship. It's going to be found in your life group. And that's when you get real. And, and, and I, I, for the life of me, for the life of me, I do not know how to communicate to people that it's, we don't want you in life groups so we can say we had so-and-so in life groups. We want you in life groups so you can experience by having, it's biblical. I want you in life groups so when a tragedy comes your way. I was standing at a, at, a, at a grave with a little baby. And this couple was standing there in grief and weeping. And their whole group behind them, carrying them through. You know why they were able to do that? Because they, were, they had practiced fellowship. Now, let me say a word about this. I don't mean to get this to be a life group sermon. But everybody's different. Every life group's different. And you may have gotten in one and experienced it, and it was horrible. It just didn't fit. How many of y'all know that everybody don't fit everywhere? There's some life groups I'd fit like a glove, just fall right in there and, and, and it would just, but then there's some I just, would, I just wouldn't fit. It's just not who I am and it's not, it's not because I'm a snob and it's not because they're bad people. It's just, it's just, it's not a fit. But a lot of times people go into experiencing a situation already with a negative attitude and want to find something wrong with it first. And they just need an excuse not to do it. Don't be that guy. If something don't fit or something don't work, try another one. And if that third one and that fourth and that fifth one don't fit, then maybe you need to look in the mirror. And, I, I, and I'm not being, uh, trust me, I promise you, I'm not being, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my, I, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying you need fellowship. Nobody can get through this life alone. God never intended a Christian to be the Lone Ranger. Are y'all with me? If I, if I find out that, that you know, I, I've done, got around 20 people and none of them like me, 
I may need to adjust me. That's good right there, Rev. I'm telling you, that's right. You preach on. Ooh, I'm going to turn around. Ooh. You know, you just can't cut gray out, can you? It just ain't going to happen. Fellowship. What do, you think, what do you think helped Paul endure a cold, dank, dark, dismal dungeon? It was the fellowship he had with Timothy and Epaphroditus and a few of the saints there in Rome. We need fellowship. We need to create, create opportunities for fellowship. And it's not just life groups. A lot of the service teams, they, they have fellowship all the time. A lot of your, a lot of your, your security guys, they, they, you know, they're all weird. Say amen. <laughs> they love walking around with them walkie-talkies with that, that game face on. and They're different, but I'm glad they're there. Amen. But they, they have a camaraderie. They have, a, they have something in common. They all like the same things. And so they're, they're experiencing joy because they're practicing fellowship. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? And see, he said he's my brother. Now, the only way he can say he's my brother, we, we know he's his brother in Christ, his brother in Christ, but, but he's his brother because they practice fellowship. There's, there, there'll be people that, anyway, anyway, I don't want to run a rap. I've got to finish this, all right? All right, God gave us for the sake of fellowship, for the purpose of fellowship. First, he gave us what? Or actually, who? He gave us Christ to make us all one. Then he gave us uh, 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 the church to practice that and all. And then, and then, write this down and we'll hurry, we'll jump, we've got to hurry. Uh, he gave us a cause. He gave us a cause. How many of y'all know it's a whole lot easier, it's a whole lot easier to have something in common when you're rallying around something? You remember when the tornado come through? Tornado come through and Temple went up there to the parking lot and we was cooking and, and, and man, we cooked so much we burnt a grill down. I'm talking about literally melted it down. Had to go by the brother who let us borrow a whole nother grill because we literally cooked round the clock. We was cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner for all the, the, the cops and the emergency workers and all that and anybody who else wanted a meal and couldn't cook. And, and, and everybody just rallied around that because they had a, a cause. You say, well, what's our cause? The gospel. Paul said the fellowship of the Imagine if we rallied around getting people saved. If we rallied around and we, we understood that we could fellowship in the gospel. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we need fellowship. We need to be good at that. We need to be balanced at that. Now, now remember the word balanced, okay? Remember the word balanced. We cannot be all fellowship. We can't be all fellowship. And there are some churches, that's it. And, I, and I'll explain that in a minute. Don't let me forget that. Secondly, he said, he said not only is he my brother. Uh-oh, I've got to get back to where I was. Not only is he my brother, in verse number, where's that at? 25, verse 25. Philippians 2, 25. He said he's my brother. That represents family. That represents fellowship. But then he's my companion in labor. 
All right, what was Paul doing? What was his labor? What was his work? What was his job? Getting the gospel out. It was evangelism. He was preaching the gospel. He said, he said, brother, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, with all that is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. He had a zeal. He had a fervor. He had a calling. He had a commission to, to get the gospel out. It's evangelism. And so what he is saying here is Epaphroditus was helping him get the gospel out. Are y'all with me? So, so, he was not only all about fellowship, but he was also all about evangelism. Laboring in evangelism. Say that word with me. Come on, people, y'all are slow. Y'all running me out of time. All right, here we go. He was laboring in... Now, what does that mean? We as a church cannot be so caught up in fellowship that we forget we got to reach lost people. We have to be balanced. There are so many churches in America today that are dying. You know why? Because they're so inwardly focused. Take care of me. Minister to me. Feed me. This is my church. Come serve me. It's all about It don't matter if the world's going to hell. Just as long as you marry our children and bury our dead and hold our hand when we're sick. Let's make sure we spend our money on us. You know what that is? They're out of balance. Is there anything wrong with being close and, and loving fellowship? Not a thing wrong with that. As long as it's in balance with reaching the unchurched. But if all of your finances and all of your focus and all of your attention and all of your energy goes to having dinner on the grounds and fellowships, I, I, I'm, I'm working with a pastor right now. I'm working with a pastor right now. He's so frustrated, about in tears. I talked with him about an hour and a half, two hours this week. And their whole problem is it's about us. We just want you to love on us. We just want you to love on us. We just want you to love on us. I want to tell them, you tell them, go love on somebody else. One guy, I don't know, I ain't going to say this because they might know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Man, I want to tell you this. It's out of stage. Y'all ain't, ain't going to know, but if they watch the video, they'll know. He is not a babysitter. Paul, listen, the apostles in, in the book of Acts, they said, listen, we need to focus on prayer in the word of God. Choose you out seven men of honest report that they may be able to go serve these tables. We got to get to the word. And you know what? We've got, we've got men uh, across this country that have their hands tied and they can't go reach people because they're too busy burping and babying and pampering babies. You know why? Because they're out of balance. 
We have to have a balance between fellowship and evangelism. Evangelism. Now, third thing. <clears throat> Look what he says. He says, he says uh, you're my brother. That's fellowship, family. You're my companion in labor. That's evangelism. That's getting the gospel out, preaching the gospel, seeing people saved. But then you're my fellow soldier. Now, you remember, there was the... There was the the fellowship of the gospel, and then there was the furtherance of the gospel, and now this one is covering the faith of the gospel. In other words, defending the faith, defending the truth of the word, defending the gospel. Now, what word do I want to write here? I want you to write this down, and it's really, it's a word, it's a word that has been used in a negative way, and when you write it down, it's going to sound bad, maybe, maybe to you, it, it sounded bad to me. Because cult leaders do this, and, 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 and crazy people do this, and, and, and false religions do this. But, but the word has such a meaning and a truth. We have to be balanced in our fellowship. We have to be balanced in our evangelism. But we also have to be balanced in our indoctrination. And if you look up that word in Webster's Dictionary, it, it, all it means is laying a foundation. In other words, we've got to be able to take baby Christians that come in and teach them the truth. They have to be grounded in the Word of God. They have to be grounded in the doctrines of the faith. They have to be grounded in the truth of God's Word. Do you know why the national average in America today is 77% of all the children that grow up in church by their first year in college, they're gone. They leave church and never come back. 77%. That is a tragedy. But you want me to tell you why that is? They're not grounded in the faith. And they don't know what they need to know so that when they go to a liberal college and a doofus professor who doesn't know God or some other things stands up there and questions their faith, questions their faith, Questions their belief. Question what they've been told. Listen, then they don't know how to respond because they're not grounded in the Word. And guess what? They got them. When all it would have took is to be grounded and taught the truth. They need to know why they need to be saved. They need to know why that they have eternal security. They need to know what it means to follow Jesus. They need to know the doctrines of the faith. Are y'all with me? The church has to be balanced in these matters. Now watch this. Watch what happens. Watch what happens when a church gets out of balance. In any one of these areas. In either one of these areas, all right? Let's say we're heavy on the fellowship side. Let's say we're heavy on the fellowship side. Guess what? If we're heavy on the fellowship side, we won't care a bit that people are going to hell as long as you take care of us. It's all about social events. It's all about social agendas. It's all about, they'll use terms like, uh, this is my church, and this is, we're going to get what we want. We're going to sing what we want. We're going to do what we want. We're going to do what we like. Preferences overrule principles. Because it's out of balance. Because we want we want to. It's all about us. Now watch. What if we're out of balance? 
What if we're out of balance with, with uh, uh, say, 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 we, 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 we want to we wanna fellowship <clears throat> to the point that we're willing to fellowship with anybody. And we're not going to teach doctrine. Guess what? Then every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there that's got a crazy belief, you're just going to welcome them in for the sake of fellowship? And then you're going to stand here and not get on anybody's toes because you don't want to offend nobody. Let's just it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Hello? But they're sincere, preacher. Well, you can be sincerely wrong. Listen, Buddhists are sincere, but they're wrong. Hindu people are sincere, but they're wrong. If you believe there is any other way to God but by Jesus Christ, you are sincerely wrong. So you cannot, you cannot, what's, <laughs> this is a bad term, not, you can't drop the shields. Listen, I want to fellowship with any believer. I, I don't want to build walls. I mean, my... My whole life, I grew up in a movement that, that if you if you didn't cut your hair just right and li- do exactly what they thought, then everybody else is going to hell. Now I know that's not true, and I don't want to be like that. But there is a line to everything. If you don't stand for something, you will for anything. So we gotta we gotta be balanced. Yes, we need to we need to build relationships with other believers. We need to join hands with other churches to reach this world because we can't do it by ourselves, right? But we still have to believe something. So we've got to be balanced in that department, right? Now watch how it's worded. Watch, look at your notes. Flip, flip back over there. Flip back over there. Page number three. Flip back over there. Page, watch, watch how it's described with balance. Balance is important in the Christian life. Some people emphasize fellowship, what we just said. Some people emphasize fellowship so much that they forget the furtherance of the gospel. And that's evangelism, going out and reaching the lost. But others, others are so involved in defending the faith of the gospel that they neglect building fellowship with other believers. Now, what does that mean? That you think that you and your frozen chosen 20 that go to church is the only one right with God and everybody else going to hell. Let me tell you something. And I'm gonna, I might as well. I didn't say everything else tonight, amen. Nobody is 100% right. I hope I'm right on most of it. But I'm probably going to get to heaven and God's going to say, you know that one thing you thought? Man. Me and Brother Steve was riding down the road the other day, and we come to the conclusion there's going to be a lot of surprised people in heaven. They're going to be surprised who's there, and they're going to be surprised who ain't there. That's not good English, but you get my point. Are y'all with me? Let's don't, let's don't be, let's don't, let's don't have more rules than Jesus, all right? Let's, let's be balanced in this thing. Let's be balanced with our teaching. Let's don't, let's, don't just, let's don't just be evangelistic with every message we preach. 
There are some churches, it's all about evangelism. All about every, every message is on salvation. Well, guess what? Sooner or later, somebody that's already saved, they need some meat on the bone. Because if they, if they are not indoctrinated, if they are not taught the truths of the Word and the meat of the Word, then they're going to be anemic and they're going to, fall to, uh, they're going to fall to deception. Are you all with me? Now, and, and if, if all we do is focus on fellowship, then there's a whole world going to hell if we don't reach them. So we've got to be balanced. Does this make sense? We have to be like Epaphroditus. We have to be balanced in our fellowship. We have to be balanced in our evangelism. We have to be balanced in our, in our teaching program, our indoctrination and teaching sound doctrine. But then I added one. I added one. Let's go, let's look in, in, the, in the last verse there. Let's look at the last verse. Let me back up. Go to verse 27, and then we'll jump over there. <clears throat> verse 27. Nine minutes. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Y'all there? For indeed he was... Now, how sick was he? He was about to die. He's in bad shape. All right? God touched him, helped him. Now look. Now look in verse, verse number 30. Verse number 30. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. In other words, he wasn't just sick. He was sick because of his efforts for God. Did you see that? Let me read it again. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. He wasn't sick because he was sitting on the couch. If you want to use this terminology, he is working himself to. It's for the cause of Christ. And, and, let, me, let me watch. Now watch. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh to death. Now say it with me. Not. Add this word. Add this word on your, on your notes there. He was committed. And add this, add this word. Faithful faithfulness we need to be balanced in our faithfulness this is almost a dirty word in the in the 20th or 21st century church in the church we live in today this is a dirty word do you know there was a day when you didn't have to beg and plead and bribe people to go to church three times a week i mean it wasn't even a question Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night. They were there regardless, no questions asked. We're going to be there. That's it. And, and, and it's all you can do to get them there one time now. People don't need any excuse whatsoever to miss church. And it's like it's no big deal. Now, here's, here's something I want to propose to everybody. And I know this is a Sunday morning, and I'm preaching to the choir because y'all are here. It's Wednesday, I know. But y'all help me spread the word. If church is not important enough for you to be faithful to it, in front of your kids, I, I've, been, I've been told this my whole life, and I have seen it to be true. I have seen it with my own eyes. What we allow in moderation in our life, our kids will do in excess in their life how many of y'all seen that to be true if we allow just a little bit of something something 
then they're going to allow a whole lot of. And if, and if it's not that big, and, and, and let me say this, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. I promise you this, kids are smarter than we think. You can't lay out every other Sunday, but then tell your kids it's important. Now, I, I, this is a big deal. Because slowly but surely, now let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, he's going to get on us now because somebody missed church and he got mad about it. No. That didn't have nothing to do with that. Because, you know, every, every summer, every pastor gets up and preaches on faithfulness because everybody's going on vacation. I don't have no problem with vacation. I'm going to go on one. If I can afford it, amen, I'm, I'm going to go. I, that, that's not the issue. I'm talking about an every day, every week, what we show our kids in front of them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now watch. Here's the danger that we face in the world we live in today. We are living in an age... And according to Revelation chapter number 3, it's called the Laodicean age. In the Laodicean age, what is reflected is this. He said, you are lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. Now let me tell you what God thinks about that. Because you're neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That means, that means a lukewarm, a... Eh, not in, but not out. We just so, so. Preacher, I'm not out, but you know, I'm not on fire. You know what it says? He said, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. That means vomit. When do you vomit? When you're sick. That kind of mentality makes God. But see, that's the age we're living in. That's the age we're living in. So what do we have to constantly do? Hey, it's different. I don't care what nobody says. I've heard people, I've heard people get up. When I was a kid, there was a guy. There was a guy. He, he'd lead the singing. And if he did it once, he did it 5,000 times. He'd talk about the good old days in South Georgia. When we got up and we went and prayed for rain, bless God, we brought our umbrellas. And he would always talk about the good old days. And he'd always talk about, you know, three-week revivals and all that kind of stuff. And remin- that's fine with all that reminiscing. But we're living in a different day. There was a time, there was a time of the Great Awakenings and, and, and George Mueller and, 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 and Jonathan Edwards and all these men. And I believe with all of my heart, if you trace it, God gives a timeline in Revelation 2 and 3 of the age of the church. And I believe personally that was the age of the Philadelphian church where God says, I placed before you an open door which no man can shut. It was an open door of evangelism. It was an open door of God's, God's fervor and God's gospel. Getting and that's when all of the Great Awakenings were. And I'm telling you, people went to church... And and they went to church. They didn't care what time it got over. Some of you old timers in here, can I have a witness right there? Y'all know what I'm talking about there. It was a different time. And so, so when you went to church, you didn't have to beg people. And plus, they didn't have nothing else to do. You worked and went to church, amen? But now it's different. It's different. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in your head. This is something that we have to fight. 
It's one thing to just have to fight Satan. It's one thing to just have to fight our own flesh. But we're going to have to fight an air and a culture in our world that's lukewarm. And not a culture in the world. I'm talking about a culture in the church where church people are lukewarm. So we need more Epaphroditus. We need people who are willing to stick it out. We need people who are willing to be committed no matter what. And not make excuses for everything in the world. We need to be balanced. Church, say amen. Write this second down. I got a minute and 30 seconds. <clears throat> he was not only balanced, but B, he was burdened. <coughs> he was burdened. He was burdened. Hurry up, right, right, right. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. They're going to get on to me. <clears throat> really, in this chapter, we find there's two things that he was burdened about. And really, three, if you want to apply the principle. First, he was burdened about Paul. When he heard about Paul being in prison, man, that bothered him. That bothered him. So he was willing to, he was willing to volunteer to go on that, that dangerous journey to help Paul. Okay? So he was burdened about Paul. Now, isn't this, isn't that practicing what he at, Paul asked them to do in verses 1 through 4? When he said, don't think of yourself, think of others. Isn't that what he's doing? Okay. He was burdened for Paul, but then he was burdened for the church at Philippi. When, when, when he heard that they heard that he was sick and he heard that they were upset about it, it bothered him. He said, oh, man, I don't want them worrying about me. He had a burden for him. Now, why was he, why was he concerned about Paul? It wasn't just because he liked Paul and Paul was in prison, but he wanted to further the gospel. So he had, a, he had a burden for Paul. He had a burden for the church at Philippi. And he also had a burden for sinners. He had a burden for sinners. Man, I wish I had time to preach this point. I had so much I want to talk about right here. Paul said, do you realize that Paul, when he was talking about the, the nation of Israel, do you realize he actually said this? I don't know if I could have said this. He said, I could wish myself accursed for my brethren. Let me translate that. I'd be willing to go to hell if all of the Jews could get saved. Now, brother, that's a burden. Do you want me to tell you why churches are not growing? They're not burdened. Do you want me to tell you why churches are dying? Because there's no tears in the eye sockets of Christians anymore. Listen, our world is going to hell. Hey, America's already in hell. America, I do, I, I am not sure America can turn around. I believe they're under the judgment of God, and I believe, listen, it's not all sinners' fault because sinners do what sinners do, and sinners will always do what sinners do. Churches quit doing what they were supposed to do. And there's no burden no more. There's no tears on the altar for sinners no more. There's not, a, there's not an urgency no more to go tell people if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. Where is our burden? Boy, he's burdened. He cared about people. And I tell you what, those, that, that series, I'm, I'm still exhausted. My brain is still smoking over all this, just all the stress and the worry and the making sure everything's going to go right and making sure everybody heard the gospel in a clear way so they can get saved. And, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just physically exhausted with all that stuff. But look at the people that got saved. We have to keep that urgency. 
And it's so easy to lose it. That last service, that, that, that last service on Easter Sunday, when we did the Saturday night and the two Sunday mornings and that night, I ain't going to lie. When I walked out here, and this sounds so crazy, because there's, there's thousands of pastors. Would have loved to have that. We had about 700 people in here. That's ridiculous. When the average service, the average size in America is 80, and we had, we had 700 in here on Sunday night, I was like, I know y'all are more spiritual than me. I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I'm like, well, that's... And then we had tons saved. That's what it's about. God said, you've got to be urgent. We've got to be balanced. We've got to be burdened. Because if we're balanced and we're burdened, then we're sure going to be blessed. That's the last one. Write that down and we'll pray. Father, thank you, Lord, <clears throat> for the opportunity to, to study your word today. Please help us to do this stuff. Help us to be like.